Going presently through the flying hour. This is the Gargsville Podcast with your host, Gargs Allard. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Gargsville Podcast. This is Gargs Allard. How's everybody doing out there? I hope well. I haven't put out an episode of the podcast for a while as I've been busy with my radio shows and doing Uber and cooking for my wife and I, hanging out with the kids and the grandchildren and the cats and trying to play my records and trying to organize my pockets. That's a George Carlin reference there, by the way. That uh, Anyway, I haven't got it together to be as regular as I would like to be, but I am trying, so please bear with me. Stand back and stand by. Just kidding. Please strike that remark from the record. Actually, today we have Fountains of Wayne guitarist Jody Porter on the show. Pretty badass, right? I contacted him because not only am I a huge Fountains of Wayne fan and an admirer of his sweet guitar skills, but I am also looking forward to his fourth solo album, Waterways, which is slated to come out in the next month or so. First on CD and I think later on vinyl. So I sent a message to him and thought we were going to talk the next day. But while I was out Ubering and McDubering, driving Uber, he called me via Facebook message and said he was ready to talk now. So naturally, when uh, the lead guitarist of one of your favorite bands of all time gives you a call and says he's ready to talk now, you comply, which I did. So I rushed home sort of unprepared and finally called him back after about 15 or 20 minutes. For those of you who don't know it, but Fountains of Wayne put out five critically lauded studio albums in their career from 1996 to 2011. Plus, they put out a two-disc collection called Out of State Plates with all their singles, B-sides, and other unreleased stuff, some live things that didn't make it onto albums. So essentially... They really made seven great discs of music. But before we talk to Jody, I would like to share with you a few things that I've been thinking about lately. <laughs> I'm starting to put my thoughts down for my podcast monologues now, rather than giving them away to Facebook on status updates like I have been doing for the last 12 years. So if you want to hear my thoughts, here's where you're going to find them. One little encouraging piece of good news I received was at my doctor appointment yesterday. I measured at five foot nine again. You know, I used to be five foot nine and a half, and I gradually shrunk down to five eight and a half to five eight. And even one time it was like five seven and seven eighths, one of the nurses said, and I didn't appreciate that. But today I was back to five nine again, and it seems like me making a conscious effort to stand up straight is starting to pay off. I had heard before that if you drink too much caffeine, it can take the the uh, fluids from between your vertebrae and actually make you shrink, so to speak. But I think it had a lot to do with my posture. So uh, I wonder if I consciously sucked in my gut for a while, if that would help me to lose weight in the same way. But I swear that since March, I have thought about 50 different times that I had or possibly had COVID. But every time it, after like an hour or so, I just felt better. So, you know, sometimes it really does feel good to be wrong, not to overly be nostalgic or anything. But do you remember hugs? They were pretty good. Sometimes when I close my eyes while I'm eating, I actually become acutely aware of the skeleton in my body, more specifically my skull, and I or am conscious of the teeth gnashing against my food and it gradually making its way down my throat. And, you know, to be honest with you, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. And other times I simply just go, mmm, man, that tastes really good. And give me some more of it. Have you ever, you know, you sit down for dinner and you have your first helping and then you say, that was really good. Let me go get seconds. Then after seconds, you say, man, no more. I'm not eating anymore. That's it. And then later you find yourself in the kitchen and uh, you say, I'll just have a little bit. And you start actually eating out of the pan. And the next thing you know, the whole thing's gone. Well, that's never happened to me, but I hope you've never had that experience. 
So anyway, we've known each other long enough now, so I can be honest with you. I'm kind of suspicious of pens whose ink isn't either black or blue. I hope that doesn't make me a pen or ink racist. You know, what is this? A purple pen? A pink pen? <laughs> People like to use red ink because, you know, they take notes with it. It stands out. They can correct someone. But to me, if a pen isn't black or blue, I simply don't trust it. Sometimes when I have a little bit of time in my hands, I read the latest obituaries and then I look some of them up on Facebook. Is that really so wrong? You know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I feel pretty dead, I'll tell you. And I, I always wondered why is it that at 10 p.m. I feel like I'm 22 and then at 7 a.m. I feel like I'm 102 and then later maybe by 9 or 10, I'm starting to feel about 70. And then I don't really hit my age of 56 really till about 11 or a.m. or noon or something like that. So anytime anybody, you know, wants to do some appointment or have an interview, I make sure, if possible, that I don't do it till 11 o'clock. Unless it's a doctor's appointment, I just want to get it out of the way. Have you ever bought something in a city restaurant just so you could use the bathroom? I have several times, as a matter of fact. I just feel obligated, you know? And also because if you buy something, then they will let you use the bathroom. But some people can just go and, you know, use the bathroom and not care. Uh, I'm trying to become balanced between not caring what people think, but also being courteous to other people. You know, it shouldn't be about what I think people think of me, but it should be about finding yourself while being decent to others. You want to feel young again, no matter what your age? This is my advice to you. Get yourself a new toothbrush, new socks, new underwear, change your sheets, take a shower and get some coffee in you. And if that doesn't work, you can always eat something you like, go back to sleep and start with a clean slate the next morning. Just the other day, I saw someone I thought I knew, but I couldn't be sure. And I couldn't quite remember his name. You ever feel that? But then I realized it can't be him because he's dead. And that's when you know that you're getting old, especially if it happens like more than one time. You know, you're walking around in the fog of the day and you think, oh, this guy, you kind of lose track of time. And, you know, anyway, I've noticed that if my cat perchance sees me naked in some capacity, he doesn't care. And it doesn't change a thing between us. And that's what makes me feel like my cats are part of my family. If someone sees you naked and they don't care, then that certainly qualifies them as part of the family. Do you know anyone who in a conversation mentions the names of people they know and who you don't know without any introduction or qualification as if you do know it's them? Yeah, then I stopped over at Sam's house and he was saying, you know, one of the best things to do when you're you're baking potatoes is to put little slits in them before you put them in the oven. And I tried that and it really works, you know. And that's the same thing that Janie was talking about. And of course, they should know you don't know who the hell Sam or Janie is. Look, if you want to be my Facebook friend, don't make a Facebook request to me with your Facebook profile locked, okay? What is this? Let's make a deal. I have to commit to your friendship before you pull up the curtain. It's not exactly like marrying someone before having sex with them, but at the same time, it kind of is. Let me ask you this. How often do things go bad in your refrigerator? You know, either leftovers or ingredients you never got to. Does it make you feel bad? Organizing your refrigerator is one of the most important semi-major projects that you can undertake. In America, food is a very important thing, as evidenced by how much time we spend looking inside our refrigerator. I know I probably spend a little too much time there. I was noticing that prices today are 521.8% higher than they were in 1972. And I noticed that, of course, because I looked it up. So an item that was $6 then would be $37.31 now. And I remember being in 1972, looking back in history to how much prices were in the early 1930s, for example. I also 
recall seeing an episode of the Waltons where a bowl of soup back in the early 1930s was like three cents at a restaurant and you had to pay five cents if you wanted it with crackers. And my dad, who was born in 1924, he went through the, the depression, you know, he confirmed this. He said that he used to wait in line for a, a loaf of bread and then they would scrape the mold off the bread before they ate it. So he went through some stuff. Anyway, this all this information, I wondered how much prices will be after the next 48 years when I reach the age of 104, say. I've also noticed that my hair has become curlier as I become older. I have no idea why. It must be mimicking the movements of my mind. I'm starting to think that Art Garfunkel is actually my real dad, so my dad's still alive. And people are going to start calling me Garfunkel. Sometimes I have actually thoughts about philosophy. And I was thinking the other day that, that the person behind the universal curtain and his or her representatives are so good and making the matrix that we don't even think of it as a matrix. We think that our bodies and where we are from or where we live is our actual home, but we cannot stay in these bodies or these homes very long. It's like the atoms that comprise gross matter don't even touch each other, dudes. This is just a non-permanent frequency that we misidentify with where we try to enjoy even while our avatar bodies gradually rot away like tomatoes on a vine. So from that semi-positive note. So back in the early 1980s, when I was living at the Boston Temple, there was a devotee there who wasn't exactly all there in their head, if you know what I mean. Actually, I have known many devotees like that, but I digress. There was a devotee there named Bhakta so-and-so, I'm not going to mention his exact name, who used to stare at the old tiles in the temple room floor before the parquet floor went in later. And anyway, he would gaze deeply at a pattern in a particular tile or two that looked kind of like a rabbit. <laughs> and he would refer to it as Hare Krishna and chant Hare Krishna to it for long periods of time. Of course, you know, we believe he received untold spiritual benefit from such crazy yet sincere endeavors. So I went through a little period when Mars was opposite my ascendant, and uh, it, was, it was a little contentious. People kind of like attacking me from here and there for no apparent reason. It almost seemed like I was being struck without provocation. And I also felt that maybe I might have put energy out there. I, I was like being really careful when I was driving because people were driving crazy around me and I didn't want to get in any accidents when Mars is opposite your ascendant. You can deal with opposition, you can deal with accidents, you gotta watch out for sharp instruments and things like that. So anyway, the whole thing made me realize that just in general, people are easily triggered these days. It's, it's just not healthy, you know. So prepare yourself for the following and please stay healthy. I, I've, I have a few political thoughts and I try not to get too political because I don't like the division it creates between people and, you know, it's this team or that team type of deal. But um, I am, full disclosure, voting for Biden. You know, I wanted Bernie Sanders or Andrew Yang or Tulsi Gabbard, but I'm, I'm voting for Biden, who I know has been sold out to uh, Wall Street for a long time. But Trump is just too, for me, he's just too, too out there and narcissistic and creating division. And it's just, it's just getting to be an embarrassment, you know. But anyway, my realization is that since it's come down to Biden and Trump for the finalists for the president of America contest, us judges must be pretty stupid people, you know. And I say that with all the due respect and all the love in my heart. To all you pro-Trumpers and all you never-Trumpers out there, I like to say this. In this day and age, even Captain Kangaroo would be considered a polarizing personality. As far as I can see it, both the Democratic and the Republican parties are pro-Wall Street, pro-Big Pharma, pro-military-industrial complex, and pro-corporation nation-state. And for the most part, these institutions have become enemies of the vast majority of the citizens of America. So don't be surprised if I am not as excited 
about this coming election as some of you guys out there might be. You know, I apologize in advance for utilizing my Second Amendment rights. But the way I see it, if I have upset people on both sides of the counterfeit coin, I have helped you all to come together. And yes, <laughs> like I said, I'm voting for Biden. Sure, Trump is certainly a pathological liar, as are the vast majority of politicians, but nothing like Trump. He is uh, very unique in that way. And although he is probably the biggest liar of all, he's actually sometimes the most transparent. He's not very good at being diplomatic. Let's put it that way. So he occasionally speaks the blunt truth of what he feels once in a while. And I think that's probably what it makes him appeal to a certain type of people. But, you know, I feel he's conned them. So anyway, I'm sure the powers of be out there probably don't want him to be president in general, from what I can see. Uh, he's a loose cannon. But, um, you know, from my point of view, all I want is people to have health care, you know, be able to earn a living wage and to be able to respect each other's rights. But I guess it's too much to ask from either side. What can I say? So please excuse me if I choose to be happy and try to find the common ground among all of us and not the lowest common ground, I might add, which is easier to do, like the music industry often does, for example, or like what politicians tend to do. But what I'm talking about is a higher common ground. Like, for example, babies are good. We can all agree with that. I'm going to say this kind of thing every once in a while on this show just to bring everyone together. Yes, babies may eventually become assholes, at least on the surface, but every jerk, dick, bitch, and asshole was once a baby. So I'm going to say it again. Bring it on, folks. Whoa, babies. Just like the next guy, I always am eager to give a listen to the latest conspiracy theory. But don't get me wrong. If you expect me to believe that Trump and Pence are the good guys in all of this, you must think my weed is laced with PCP. And I just sent $20,000 to the Benevolent Bank of Nigeria in order to unlock my rightful inheritance. So as I was saying before, I like to visit my family. I have two granddaughters now, one for my stepson and one for my daughter. And I have taken it upon myself as their garg father to teach them about love and joy. And what better way to do that than to turn them on to Beatles music. That's been one of my missions in life to teach them about the Beatles. I've always done that with my children. Mission successful for the most part. But now I'm on to my grandchildren. And when they have kids, providing I'm still around, that will be one of my main missions with my great grandchildren as well. So anyway, I was driving my daughter and granddaughter. Rada's my daughter, Nora, my granddaughter, who is now eight months old, to the farmer's market the other day. And I... I said, hey, Siri, put on some kids' tunes. And uh, it wasn't working, so I just put the Beatles on. And my daughter said, I thought you were going to put on some kids' tunes, Dad. I said, this is better. And Nora got into it. She really got into it. I think that Obla Di, Obla Da came on. And uh, Martha, my dear, yes, those two songs came on. And she seemed to be grooving with it. And I was singing, my daughter was singing. It's such a happy thing. And sometimes I put this uh, Beatles channel on uh, when I'm driving Uber, Serious Beatles channel. And generally speaking, when I drive a lot of kids around campus, a lot of them are kind of like oblivious to the music. But people of all ages love the Beatles. And it really surprises me. I just play the Beatles. I get more tips. People are happier. And, the, and it's just the kind of music that uh, just... I think will hold up for for centuries. Anyway, it will hold up as long as it is available to human beings. So I've been listening to a lot of John Lennon and Tom Petty lately and playing them on my radio shows as John Lennon's 80th birthday just happened on October 9th and there has been some really good stuff out there about him. Sean Lennon did some great interviews with his brother Julian, his godfather Elton John, and his father's musical genius songwriting partner Paul McCartney. I recommend listening to those interviews. Also, Alec Baldwin interviewed Paul. I like that one a lot too. In ABC's 2020 special on the life of John Lennon, concentrating 
on the last year of his life was also very good, but really difficult to watch for me. I was thinking that John has written so many iconic lines. He's such a great lyricist. He had a great way to connect with people and to move them and to express what they were feeling. He really played from the heart and he really touched the heart. There's so many of those lines that just blow me away to this day. What to speak of the first time I, I heard John Lennon saying things like, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. It just gave me goosebumps. Living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all you see. And so this is Christmas and what have you done? I read the news today, oh boy. You're still fucking peasants as far as I can see. Turn off your mind, relax and float downstream. No one I think is in my tree. I mean, it must be high or low. Just give me some truth. You know, obviously uh, you were probably thinking of many of your favorite John Lennon lines. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. You know, we could go on forever. And sometimes uh, I have teared up listening to John Lennon's songs or just thinking about how how much he touched so many people and how much he affected my life. And, you know, I, I really can't imagine anyone who compares to him in a generation or even in a century. Anyway, I hope everyone is doing okay out there and has taken reasonable precautions to avoid the virus and we all know the virus we're talking about and being respectful to each other's safety or sense of safety. If you don't exactly see eye to eye with them, you know, I've known personally and I know of people who have caught the virus and some who have lost their lives from it and some who are still suffering some lingering effects of it. So, you know, we have to be respectful to each other. And it's also important to strengthen our immune systems. Anyway, without further ado, I've talked enough. We will now hear the, the 20 or so minute chat I had with Jody Porter, lead guitarist of Fountains of Wayne, from what he described as his mobile studio in the woods of Asheville. The audio was not studio quality because we were talking through Facebook messaging and he was he was out there in the in the woods in the in the mobile unit. But uh, your ear will adjust to it in a probably ten or twenty seconds or so. I, I assure you, uh, it's definitely worth listening to if you're any kind of a, a music fan or Fountains of Wayne fan. If you don't about don't know about Fountains of Wayne, I suggest that you you check them out and discover them. I have talked to well-known and accomplished musicians before, but I have seldom been as nervous, partly because I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be, partly because I'm such a Fountains of Wayne fan. I've seen them four times in different parts of the Northeast and Southeast, and it's been fun. Anyway, in our talk, Jody is very affable and humorous as well. So it was a nice little interview, even though sometimes I felt like, I kind of felt like Chris Farley's character on SNL when he was interviewing Paul McCartney. Now, I didn't want to bring up the passing of his bandmate, Adam Schlesinger, who was a brilliant songwriter and producer. He passed away from COVID on April 1st of this year. He was only 52. He was a great guy, and it was very sad. My mother was also 52 when she passed away, so it definitely feels like way too soon. But in our interview, Jody did bring him up and talked about him often. It was quite touching at times, and I offered my condolences. Anyway, here's the interview. You're listening to the Gargsville Podcast with your host, Gargs Allard. Hello, Jody. How are you? I'm good. It's funny because I'm just restoring my pedal board right now for some reason. Not that I can go on tour, but the big muff, like it's missing a couple of knobs, so we cleaned it off. And uh, I'm about to Velcro them down again as if they're going to get some action this year in 21, 21, 20. <laughs> yeah. What is it called? My telepathic uh, prisoner. <laughs> My telepathic prisoner over here says that there will be action in 2021. 20, That's very good news. I'd like to see you out there again in 2021. You know, I didn't know you are from Florida. I thought you were from Spain. I, I see you show up on the Facebook occasionally. That's cool. I'd like to talk about your new album, Waterways, Jody. Okay, let's do it. I've only heard one song from it. I like it a lot. and here up to two at this point, but the rest of the record has to stick together. When's it coming out? I think we're going to do CDs next month. I think we're going to do vinyl in the early part of next year. If there's anywhere to 
smell it. Well, I'll buy one. Well, if you don't have COVID, you might be able to, but I don't want your money. I just want you to live through it. I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, without a doubt. I don't do it for the money, <laughs> but I don't do it to save lives either. I just don't need to die. I don't want any reference to that anymore. Too much. Unnecessary. Yeah, I'm very sorry about Adam. Yeah, right. I, I lost my mother when I was 14, and I, I know how it is to lose somebody. And and uh, I'm a great admirer of the Fountains of Wayne. And I've, I've seen you guys four times live. And every time have it was we, a uh, great have experience. Have we done some press with you before in the past? Well, I, I play you guys a lot on my show, Power Pop Portal. Okay. You know, and I've talked to you guys after after sh uh, shows. We were in, I guess, in Orlando, Atlanta. Sagartes. We barely played in Florida, so I was thinking I knew you from Spain, but maybe I just don't know what I'm thinking about. Yeah, well, I'm 56 now, and I I can't I I don't well, remember. You're older than me, isn't that nice? <laughs> well, somebody has to be right. I guess so. Have you heard? No, you've only heard one song. You said that. Yeah, it's a great song. Sounds well, very. There's one that's been premiered, and there's one at Rolling Stone. So there's two out. And that's as much as I'm going to throw away because not because of like, you know, just freebies or whatever. I don't mind giving it away. It's going to show up on YouTube as soon as it goes digital. But we're doing fine. It's going to be a good run. And um, we're getting some love, not just because of the Adam thing, but it's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like we were hanging out down there at his karaoke joint in Chelsea, uh, you know, first week in January. Uh, it's just, a, yes, it's, it's not anything I really want to get into per, per se, but, you know, we, we had a pretty good feeling about what, the, you know, was going to come with the music we we're going to make this year. And um, I'm just going to follow through, I guess, because, you know, I, I wouldn't play it to him because it wasn't mastered. <laughs> I feel kind of like, I mean, we worked on all those fountains records together, mostly, me and him, you know, all the way up to the mastering phase. You know, and kind of look at each other. Like, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And it's, and it's pretty good, blah, blah, blah. But it really did come down to it, like signing off time. You know what I mean? On the Fountains record, for instance. And we'd always be at Sterling Town doing it. And um, those records sound amazing. I, you know, I've only revisited, because we made them. It doesn't, I'm not like a fan because I'm in the band, I guess. You know, or it was in a band. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember the records. I don't remember what year they were. It's so fetching that I could tell you based on the fashion and the haircut of the stones of the Beatles, whether it was 66 or 67 or 68, but with Fountains of Wayne, I couldn't even fucking tell you what year any of those records came out. You know, I remember the last one was called Sky Full of Holes, which was a little bit toned down, but you know, there's all sorts of uh, studio moments that um, I think we all kind of intermittently enjoyed but mostly me and Adam because we were the ones that were there you know what I mean it's like everybody comes and does their bit and then you know we're still fidgeting with it you know like OCD guys in the control room and then there you have it there's the next Fountains of Wayne record and maybe if we're lucky we'll get uh, somebody like uh, look down your way if you're in Florida um, what the fuck is his name I can't remember uh, he did all the whole records. I'm just drawing the blank. Um, <laughs> I'll remember in a minute. It's irrelevant. It's Lord Alves, Tom Lord Alves. That's again. Yeah, down in Miami land, right? Cool. So, yeah, we go down there and do a couple of things like um, send the troops out to have it mixed properly by the professional. And he did great jobs. He did like Mexican wine and he did a number of them actually, and he, they always just sounded so good. You know, it's a hard thing for me on my solo record to compete with because we always had the right people that were uh, in our corner, so to speak. But I'm sure, they were handsomely paid, and I don't mind being an indie DIY guy again. That's cool. Welcome, Interstate Managers is coming out again. Uh, it's coming out in vinyl for the first time. I heard like around Thanksgiving or Black Black Friday. Yeah, I read that on the internet. We're all trying to figure out what that's all about. So you didn't know about it? Even Chris didn't know about it, to be honest with you. Everybody's trying to catch up on what's been going on. It wasn't like somebody's trying to slip something. I'm sure it's all on the real, but 
Um, yeah, good. Maybe people get to hear it the way it's meant to be heard. I don't care. What record label was that? Was that Virgin then? Well, yeah, it was on Virgin at the time, and I guess they can license it out to record store day or whatever, but, you know, I, I had to do an inquiry, and it was sort of like, well, I guess that's happened. And everybody in our band, you know, with Adam gone now and not micromanaging us is like not on the ball, to say the least. We never were. With that said, you know, we don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't even know if we really care, but if more people hear it, why not? And that's the way it's meant to be heard because we mastered that, you know, for analog. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for an MP3. Uh-huh. And it's going to sound a hell of a lot better if you got a decent table, I guess. Every single one of your records are stellar. They really do sound good in hindsight, and I can't take responsibility for that other than the sort of amps and pedals I chose. And the, uh, it's guitar-heavy, so maybe I can take a little responsibility. But, you know, the ma- the mixing and the mastering guys, those are the, you know, fucking people that really made it all pop. You know what I mean? And we knew we had a good record, the good songs, and, you know, we recorded them well in our studio, Stratosphere, which is unfortunately gone now. But, um, yeah, you know, so it's just like we knew we had something good. We were like, let's make it even better, you know? So that was sort of, when we knew we had something, that's what we did. I guess traffic and weather will be the only one that won't be out in vinyl, you know, besides out-of-state plates. But traffic... Eventually it will. I mean, <laughs> you know the story behind that thing, right? Which one, traffic and weather? Yeah. Oh, well, I, from what I understand, you and Adam worked on it mostly. We were there most of the time, for sure. Um, and... I think it's Chris's least favorite. It's probably in my top two of the records that we did all together. Um, and it's just because there's a ton of guitar. I think we had to let the guitar kind of come in and make up for the uh, lack of Chris attending classes for the, that record. It's just like he wasn't really that much around and he didn't bring that many songs. And really? So it's his least favorite. But for me, I still like it. It's cool with me. What was Chris studying? What was he studying? You said he was attending class. Is that what you said? He didn't attend our classes at the sessions for that record. So I'm oh, I see. <laughs> he came down for about a weekend or something, but he did his, his job. It took a little work, but I remember uh, he wasn't that enthused about having to be in a band at that point. You know, he's just kind of coming out of some gray area, some cloud or whatever. So... Our kid, you know, he bounced back on the one after that. He's got some great songs in that one. And I like the two songs on Traffic and Weather that he wrote. It's um, Cheap Axe and uh, one other, I think. I can't remember what it is right off the top of my head. You might know. I, I don't remember. I, I don't know. It was, oh, Hotel Majestic. Oh, Hotel Majestic, right. And, and me and Adam sort of knocked that one out because there were a couple parts missing. I remember but I like that song a lot. We, in fact, we played that on the European tour on that uh, cycle, and it went over really well. It was a good one for us. But yeah. I think Chris just thought of it as a, a throwaway until the next record, and then I think he's really proud of everything he did on that one. Great songs that he wrote for that one. I saw you guys perform that in Sellersville. Did you? Yeah. Well, Chris is from PA, so that's sort of his family outing, I think. So are you are you in New York right now, or are you out in L.A.? Or no, I've been in both, but um, I'll be back in both, like in the, over the next couple of weeks. But I'm down in Asheville, where I've pretty much like taken up uh, habitat. You're from South Carolina originally, right? I grew up in Charleston, but that was many, many moons ago. I like to go down there when I can. I like to get back on the water and go sailing, but. I'm landlocked. I'm landlocked. So I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. No, I know. Very, diff- very different than Charleston. Right, right. <laughs> One's yeah. up in the mountains and one is uh, pretty much on the shore. Have you ever run into Bill Murray over there when you go to Charleston? Um, he's in Charleston, I know, but he came in after I grew up there. So, I, you know, Danny McBride's down there and John Goodman and people. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to have shrimp dinner with him or some sort of pescatarian outfit. Town where I live, it's like a diner. It's like, you know, put it this way, Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future. You know that scene where he's like trying to get the car to fucking start on the, with the doctor. The dude reminds me of Christopher Lloyd. Is like, no, it's 
he reminds me of Richard Lloyd. His name is Christopher Lloyd. He's right. a mad doctor. That's basically my town. It's got a hardware store and a diner and two restaurants. What else does it have? You know? <laughs> she says she knows that she didn't right. say uh, What? What? <laughs> I, I, oh, it's got an equestrian thing. Lots Maybe. of horses? Apparently. I, I haven't seen any horses. I saw a snake the other day. But, you know, look, COVID-19, it's like, was I going to go back to New York? Probably, but now I don't think it's a great idea. I hear you. I mean, I'm not trying to be like self-protective. I'd rather protect everyone other else. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know how it goes, man. What are we supposed to do? We're not touring right now. Might as well just sort of take some uh, R&R in the woods and get some meditative trance going on and wait it out. Like, sleep as much as you can. That song, Sunstick Moon, it sounds kind of psychedelic. Does it? I thought so. Sounds like acid reflux to me. Some of the other <laughs> ones, <laughs> you like that. Uh, some of the other ones are even more dreamy, but yeah, everything on this record is dementedly, mentally put to task as to make, you know, a thematic situation occur rather than just have a, a bunch of songs uh-huh. that you hope one's going to hit. It's like, I don't, I mean, it's going to hit if I want it to hit. So it's got, you know, it's, it's based, the whole album's basically one song. Really? Well, in different keys and different tempos and shit. So no, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, the theory behind it is, you know, if Sgt. Pepper wasn't a concept album, then neither is this, and this is a thematic album. Do you like writing lyrics? No. Did you write any for this album? Because I know you're doing it with the Berlin Waltz. No, I read every bit. I read every word on it. Oh, awesome. I don't like writing. I like writing the music better. And uh-huh. the Berlin Waltz is really just like everyone from the mastering engineer to the, you know, fucking guy that mixed it in Brooklyn. And it's just a, a bunch of people that aren't in the band, but the band is. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. It's like the pl- plastic on a band or something. One day it could be clapped, and then the next day it's elephant's memory. And then, you know, 30 years later, it was just Sean and Yoko, and that's still the plat. You know, it's like a revolving, like a bubble. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's my, I don't think anybody other than the drumming, which was mostly Brian, you know, Young from the Founds of Wayne. Sure. I think everything else was pretty much me. So it's a true solo album. This is like, what, your fourth one? It's less true than the last one, because on the last one, I did everything, including the drums. But Wow. Uh, this will be uh, the third, I think the third one that's been released, like, digitally or whatever you want to call it. Man, you're only 51. You've accomplished so much in your life. It's very impressive. No, it's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> One thing that really intrigues me about you is you, uh, you know Joni Mitchell. I'm a big fan of Joni Mitchell's. So am I. Is she a fan of Fountains of Wayne? She don't know anything about Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> oh, <either>. yeah. <laughs> He's heard some of my solo stuff and thought it was really like, being, what did she say, like British psychedelia or something like that. Um, yeah, and to some degree, yes. But <laughs> to some degree, no. She just wants to paint. She doesn't want to make music anymore. And when I go to have dinner with her in the house, it's like, she knows I'm going to pop the question. Joan, ready to make an album? And um, she starts smiling before I even pop, and I just don't even bother. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking, Jody. It's uh, It's been a great honor. I love your work, and... I'm looking forward to when your solo album comes out and anything else that you do. You know, I know you've been, you've had a, you had a project called Astro Jet and I guess um, Bell Tower before that. Yeah. So. <laughs> that happened. I mean, you can look it up and, or you can just read the Rolling Stone piece they put out. But, you know, Adam came into our band and that's how I met him. And that's basically timely as, a, you know, the uh, clock in the sky hooks up to uh, reintroduce each other to each other. And then that's when Fountains of Wayne starts. So he was with me before that, after we came back from London. That's cool. But did you play on the first album? 
I played on the B sides that were um, Carpet King. Okay. They weren't on the album. Right. Put on the single. Because they had already cut the record. And uh, that was all good, you know. It's like uh, I only found out about what was going on after they'd already signed to Atlantic. And it all worked out, you know. It's like sort of, I thought I was going up to um, revisit my old, you know, stomping ground and do a, a tour or something with the women heads. And I just talked to Evan earlier to talk about a full circle. But yeah, I thought we were going to do like a two week with the lemon heads and Evan, which we did. But um, I thought after that, I was just going to be like, oh, see what's next. You know, I was right after the bell tower, so it disbanded. And um, it just went on for 20 years, really. <laughs> you, you guys went all over the world. How did you like Japan? Well, well, they liked us at least as much as we liked being there. And me and Brian, who was the drummer, um, often said, all right, let's stick around a couple of days after the tour's over. But we'd always regret it, the culture shock. It's like, you know, when you got the tour manager and somebody, like, looking after your luggage and stuff like that, it's a lot easier when there's a language barrier. And then we're like, okay, we're just going to wing it. So it's basically like being in a power outage or, a hur- you know, like a hurricane or something or shit, I don't know, an epidemic, pandemic, whatever you call it. So you and Brian stayed in Japan after the band left, after the tour was over? On many occasions. Really? Oh, yeah. You must really like Japanese culture. We like it. We like the food as well. What's your favorite Japanese food? I think it's called sushi. (laughs) I think I've heard of that. No, it's called wasabi. Wasabi, okay. I can can snort so much wasabi you wouldn't even imagine. What are you doing over there? <laughs> what is that smell? Okay, chips and musk. All right. You must We're have all hippie over here in my studio for some reason. That's cool. And, uh, it's starting to smell really relative. It's starting to smell relative, you said? Yeah. I mean, this is like, I, you know, I, I'm kind of shacked up in my old uh, mobile studio down here in the woods. It's not like I'm really, like, camping or anything, but... I definitely could see a bear at any moment, you know what I mean? <laughs> do you bring bear spray with you? I, do they make that? Yeah, yeah they bear do. Spray? Yeah. I'd rather them come confront me. I think that'd be much cooler. Oh, I'm scared of those guys. No, don't be. Are you scared of them? No. No? Yeah. Don't do you they? Respect? Yeah, it's beer. They like beer? Beer. There is. Beer. I don't know. I'm talking to some locals here hanging out in my studio. And um, they seem to have a little bit more intrepidation about the bears. But if I saw one, I'd just go, like, hug it, I think. I have a friend in Asheville, and and, uh, he told me that sometimes they they come, he's seen them actually in town. Well, it's not surprising, but it's not denying. I'd just like to see one in my house or something and maybe domesticate it like a squirrel I got a pet squirrel these days really yeah, which, what's your name you seen him around what's his name Charlemagne you seen him around king yeah he's like, he thinks he's a king he comes around like well you got the sink over here <laughs> he, just lives, he lives in my home really yeah I'm not a city slicker anymore I gave it up all you know with the fame and the fortune that's awesome I think so. It was before, you know, predated COVID, so I must have had some intuition. Do you have, like, a squirrel litter box for your squirrel? It's just one squirrel, so when he wants to go out, he can go out and come back in whenever he wants to. But he, he does he go outside to go to the bathroom, or does he just go anywhere in your abode? Squirrels don't go to a bathroom, I don't think. No? Well, the, I mean, I think he, he's seen my bathroom. I mean, he slept <laughs> in my bed, like, two nights ago. <laughs> really? His name's Charlemagne. Charlemagne? Charlemagne. Charlemagne, okay. Yes, it's French. Okay. Well, I'm su- supposedly half French, but I don't know uh, anything more than we. Well, that's why that guy, David Gates, made you Google. <laughs> <laughs> Look up uh, Charlemagne, and you'll find out that he was a, a prince of a boy. Okay. And he also raised squirrels. This is nice. Well, thank you, Jody. Okay. It's been a pleasure talking to you. 
I would talk more, but I'm, I'll, uh, I just don't know what, what else to ask. I, was, I wasn't really prepared. Well, at least you don't know what to say, so that's important. <laughs> you can talk again whenever you like. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Have a great night. Okay. Bye. You're listening to the Gargsville Podcast with your host, Gargs Allard. Hi, folks. It's the old dog whispering himself. Old Uncle Hound here to tell you about a brand new product of mine called Old Uncle Hound's Vegan Dog Treats. It's just like the treats our dog's ancestors used to eat here in North Central Florida in the 70s. Only they're vegan, and they taste good for both dogs and humans, especially old hippies. Mm-hmm. Just munching on one right now. Tastes good like a vegan dog treat should. But don't eat a full bag of them or your dog might get angry at you and scratch some Lyme disease ticks all over your body. Old Uncle Hound's vegan dog treats are now available in fine pet stores everywhere. Thanks so much for stopping by for another episode of the Gargsville Podcast. I want to also thank Jody Porter personally for stopping by Gargsville. Besides being a great guitar player for one of my favorite bands ever, the Fountains of Wayne, he also seems like a really nice guy. I thought he was pretty witty as well. So look for his new CD, Waterways, which should be out soon, along with a vinyl edition, which will probably come out a little bit later. And of course, when the CD comes out, I assume it will be digitally available as well. Two singles from the album have already been released. Also, for a record store day on Black Friday, the classic Fountains of Wayne album, Welcome Interstate Managers will be released on vinyl for the first time. Hey, before we go today, old Uncle Hound's on the phone. He just did something he's very proud of, and I want to talk to him about it. Hey, how you doing, old Uncle Hound? I voted today. I had to stand in line five hours, California, early voting. Well, I'm really proud of you, yeah. old Uncle Hound. Well, I think. So, dare I ask who you voted for? Well, I kind of did a write-in. I, I wrote in posthumously for uh, Jared Jeff Walker. For my favorite song, Mr. Bojangles, where he said that the dog up and died, he up and died, and for 20 years he still grieved. And that, that changed my life back in the day. Did it touch your heart, old Uncle Hound? Oh, yeah. Touched my heart, made me want to like. Just kind of like cry like a hound dog. Howling at the moon. It's sad that one of your favorite songwriters died. I'm sorry. My wife won't let me chase cars anymore. Why is that? Uh, Police came. Your husband been chasing cars up and down the street again. I woke up, went back into my human form. I was very embarrassed. (laughs) I almost bit one of them tires. Wait a minute. You have a human form? Are you who I, I think you are? Huh? Are you who I think you are? Oh yeah. <laughs> Could it be Marty Lewis? No, I'm Super Dog. Old Uncle Hal. Marty Lewis is just a wimpy human being. That's why I wrote. What good was? Couldn't do nothing. Couldn't wag a tail. Couldn't drool like a dog. Couldn't howl the moon. What the hell? Now, Halloween's coming up, Old Uncle Hound. Are you looking forward to that? I know it's a, certainly a good time for wolves or werewolves. It's a good time for hounds, too. We can howl at the moon. There's a blue moon coming. It's going to be a blue moon and Halloween at the same time, right? On a full moon. Yep. Yeah, I'll be howling at the moon. Wow. Oh, oh, oh. Sounds like you're getting excited for the big day. It's Saturday, right? I can't wait. I'm I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. I, at one point, though, I, I thought I was a were dog or a were hound instead of a werewolf. I just went out and out. That was before I became a vegan. I like blood too much. Well, you know, in Halloween, you can get fake blood. You don't have to worry about breaking your commitment to being a vegan. I know, but they make you wear a mask and all that. I have to wear a dog muzzle. Why don't you wear one of those Philadelphia Eagles masks from when they were, won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago? That was my favorite mask of all time. That Philadelphia Eagles team that, that won the Super Bowl had some dogs on that team. 
So thank you, Old Uncle Hound, for coming by. Is there anything else you'd like to say before you go? Yeah, I have, a, I have something I want to say. I don't understand like why dogs and hounds get such a bad name for chasing cars, biting old ladies and stuff like that. What about them damn kitty cats killing all them birds? You know they kill like domestic and feral cats and kill one billion birds a year in North America. I think that's a disgrace. I don't see why people tolerate them damn kitty cats. Do you think it's like murder? Murder? I don't know, but it's definitely animalism. You know, like sexism, discriminating against different species. Do you think it's possible that you as a dog, part human, part dog, I do admit, but you as a part dog discriminate possibly against cats? Well, it's instinct either consciously discriminate against them, but... Or maybe you just like to trash them any chance you get on my podcast. Sounds like, you know, I have. Sorry, some... I, was, I wasn't even aware of doing it. Okay. I did have an incident with a kitty cat today. Chased them up a tree. I feel bad about it. It was all instinct. What can you do? Instinct. A dog is a dog. I know. And then I pump somebody's leg right out in the parking lot. It was terrible. They kicked me. <laughs> I ran away. <laughs> 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 okay okay uncle uncle hound now, now that you're done bashing cats i think i'm gonna let you go i'm truly sorry about discriminating against kitty cat furry animals themselves you know okay thank you uncle hound we're not going to cancel you don't worry you're one of my favorite people because after all hounds are people too hounds are people too <laughs> I got to do some martial arts. I got to do my dog teeth. <laughs> okay. Well, with Old Uncle Hound leaving us to go do his martial arts, it's also time for my boot heels to be wandering. Until next time, see ya. Hare Krishna. Hello, this is Gargs Allard, host of Power Pop Portal, the Gainesville Grooves, and the Gargsville Radio Hour. I'm here to tell you you can become just like me with my brand new 777 diet program as seen on infomercials everywhere. I developed the 777 diet program to make my life simpler and yours can become simpler too. I will personally show you how to gain 7 pounds in 7 days on only $7 a day. That's 7 pounds in 7 days for only $7 a day. You must not be averse, however, to a diet consisting primarily of pizza and ice cream. That's the 777 program available at Walmart, Walgreens, and across the street at CVS. Tell them Garg's Allard sent you. It's time for all of us to once again float off into different frequencies. The night dreams and the daydreams. Until the next time we meet again in Gargsville.